Please pray with me. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. I wonder if some of you like me have spent the past couple of weeks glued to your television sets uh, in the evening when you get home from work as the Olympics have been going on. I've been doing that for about two weeks now. I love the Olympics. Now, this might surprise you as I, as I say this, but it's true. I'm not a, a very athletic person. I know that's hard to believe, but ask my wife, ask my brother, ask just anyone who knows me. I'm not a, a terribly athletic person, but when the Olympics come on every two years, I am all in. I watch all of the different sporting events, uh, diving and swimming and handball and water polo and rhythmic gymnastics, all of them. I love them. Bob Costas has nothing on me when Olympic time comes around each year. And I watch them, and I, I'm guessing I watch them for the same reasons that you all watch them. I watch them because I'm inspired by these men and women. I'm inspired by these well-trained athletes from all over the world who have excelled in whatever their chosen sport is. They inspired me. I'm inspired as an American whenever I see our athletes winning all sorts of different medals, but I'm just inspired as I watch these men and women perform. It's, it's a wonderful thing. I'll tell you, though, the, the group that's inspired me the most it's the, the Refugee Olympic Team. Have you all heard about the Refugee Olympic Team? They have inspired me the most. This, uh, these are our 10 men and women who have been forced to, to flee from their home countries, and the IOC has gathered them together and helped them to form a team. And so they represent refugees and migrants from all over the world. They inspire me. They encourage me. They want me to do better things. I was reading about one of these women on, uh, on this Olympic team. Her name is Yusra Mardini. Has anyone read or heard about Yusra Mardini? Yusra is uh, a, a, a high-level swimmer. She's from Syria originally, and about a year ago, her home was bombed, and she was forced to leave Syria. So she and her sister fled Syria. They went through Lebanon and Turkey. Uh, they got on a boat and were heading towards Greece. And this boat was a, a small boat. It was designed to only hold about six or seven people. But as often has been happening with, with these boats, it was jam-packed with lots and lots of other people. And so as Yusra and her sister and lots of other men and women, lots of other refugees are on this boat, and as they start to, to make their way toward Greece, the, the engine fails, the motor fails, the, the boat starts to take on water, and it starts to go down. And that's when Yusra and her sister and two other, the only two other people in the boat who could swim, get out of the boat, and they start to push, and they start to pull this boat for over three hours until it gets to land. And not one person in that boat died. Yusra inspires me. She is a great example of what it means to, to rise up, to rise up out of an oppressive situation, to rise up out of a, a violent situation, to rise up and to do something to help others. This team, they have won 
uh, I checked this morning, they've won zero medals. And yet, they still inspire all of us in amazing ways. I was thinking about Yuzra and this Olympic team as I started to read this, this passage from Luke's gospel account this morning. We're, we're in Luke chapter 13, and we're told that Jesus is there. He's preaching. He's teaching on the Sabbath day in a synagogue. And as he's in there teaching and preaching, a woman walks in. And this woman, we're told, has been bent over for 18 years she can't stand up straight. She's been, she's been bent over, and that's, that's really all that we know about her. She walks into the synagogue as Jesus is teaching and preaching on this day, and she, she stands there. She, she stands there with everyone else listening to what's happening. We're not told if she approaches Jesus at some point. We're not told if she says anything to Jesus at some point. What we are told is that Jesus, as Jesus is, is teaching in the synagogue, he sees her out of the corner of his eye. He sees this woman, and he stops his teaching, and he looks at her, and he tells her to, to rise up, to stand up. He heals her. I love, I love this story. Jesus sees this woman and tells her to rise it's, it's a powerful, powerful story. Michael, Michael Curry, our presiding bishop here in the Episcopal Church, says that this story reminds us that God has a dream. God has a dream for this woman. God has a dream for you and me. God has a dream for all of the world. And that dream is that we might be able to, to rise up out of those things that are holding us down, that we might be able to escape those things that have held us back, that we might be released from the chains and the bonds of violence and oppression. And Michael Curry says that our part as people of God in that dream is that once we've been freed, once we've risen up, we have to go out into the world and help others to rise up too. That is God's dream. But the story goes on. There's another person that Jesus encounters in this reading from Luke's gospel account. After he heals this woman, after she stands up straight, after she begins to praise God, we're told that one of the religious leaders there in the synagogue starts to, really he starts to yell over the crowd. And this religious leader is sort of like a, a vestry person or a warden in one of our churches. Any vestry people here at St. John's Church? This is sort of what the religious leader is like. He's there to, to help uh, to oversee the activities of the synagogue, and he starts, to, he starts to yell out over the crowd gathered there today. He says that work can be done on the other six days of the week, but on the seventh day, on the Sabbath day, no work is to be done. And Jesus, if you remember, Jesus is not happy. Jesus yells back, you hypocrite, he says, he says, if you are willing to untie your animals and give them something to drink on the Sabbath day, then why shouldn't this woman, this faithful woman, this, this daughter of Abraham, why should she not also be able to be healed? Now, I want to say two things about, about this religious leader. Two things. The first thing is that I, I really identify with this religious leader. I am a rule follower 
I like to do uh, the right things. I don't like to do uh, the bad things. I identify with this religious leader. He is a good person. He is a faithful person. He is trying to draw close to God, and he's trying to help others draw close to God by following all of God's commandments. We should not hear Jesus saying that this is a bad man. He is not a bad man. He is a good, religious, holy faithful man. He's trying to to live into that commandment, that third commandment that God gives to God's people in the book of Exodus that says that we should honor the Sabbath day, that we should keep it holy. He is faithful to God's law. So that's the first thing to say. The second thing to say is this, that while he's faithful to God's law, he seems to have forgotten the other part of God's command about the Sabbath. In the book of Deuteronomy, God says to the people that the Sabbath is supposed to be a reminder of how God has brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, how he rescued them with his strong arms from the bonds of slavery and set them free. That is what the Sabbath is about, God says. This man seems to have forgotten that part, and so Jesus, as he heals this woman, is living into that other principle of the Sabbath. He is releasing her. He is setting her free from her bonds. He is helping her to stand up. He is helping her to praise God. It's a wonderful story. It's a powerful story. I wonder, who, who do you identify with in, in this story? Will Willimon, who's a a United Methodist bishop and theologian, he's taught at Duke Divinity School, uh, says that the, the hardest question that, that any of us have to a- answer in our lives is not, uh, does God exist? He says most of us have sort of figured that out at some point, or we will figure it out. Does God exist? Most Some of us, will, all of us here, I think, would probably say yes. Some people will say no, but most of us have, have settled that answer. We know or we don't believe that, that God exists. He says the the harder question, the hardest question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Does God care for me? Does God care for us? He said that is the really hard question that we have to struggle with. He says that when we are sick, we ask ourselves that question. He says that when we are injured, we ask ourselves that question. When we turn on this TV and see people hurting all over the world, we're asking that question. Does God care about us? Does God care about these people? Does God care about me? He says that if you look at some of the language that we use in the church and in the faith communities, we might Uh, we might not be so sure of that answer. He says, when you start to look at our hymns and our prayers, the words that we say about God, how we describe God, he says he wonders if if we think that God cares about us. Think about some of the words that we use to describe God. All of them all of them good and appropriate words, by the way, but but think about some of the words. Immortal, invisible, eternal, omnipotent, omniscient. All of those are really great words that we use to describe God, but it also paints a picture of a God who is really far away for us doing those things, whatever those things are that God does, and it doesn't seem like God is uh, much in relationship with us. But Willimon says, if you doubt that God cares about you, 
all that you need to do is open up the New Testament and look to Jesus. Open up the New Testament and read the stories about how Jesus sees each one of us, about how Jesus comes to walk with each one of us, about how Jesus comes to heal us, to make us whole, to give us new life, to love us. Does God care about you? Does God care about me? All that we need to do is look to the one who is called God with us. I'll end with a, a story, and I've, I've told this story, I think, here before. My wife says that I tell it a little too often, but I'll, I'll tell it again because I think it's a, a great story and one that highlights uh, what I want to talk about. It's a story about a woman named Becca Stevens. Has anyone heard of Becca Stevens? Becca Stevens is an Episcopal priest. She is the chaplain at Vanderbilt. Uh, she is a great speaker and teacher and preacher. She is, in many ways, a healer. In 1997, uh, Becca started uh, an intentional community called uh, Magdalene, and Magdalene is a community for women who are between the ages of of 20 and 50, women who have lived lives of of prostitution and addiction and who are seeking a path to escape that life. She has uh, two things that she tells all of these women who come to be a part of the Magdalene community. She says that the first thing that she tells them is that community can change lives. Being with other people can change your life. That's the first thing she tells them. She says that the second thing that she tells them is that love, love heals all of our wounds. And in fact, that's the motto of Magdalene, love heals So Becca, as I said, is a a great preacher and speaker and teacher. She travels all around the country to talk about Magdalene and her work. She preaches at at churches and conferences. I heard her several years ago, and she told this story that I'm about to tell you, and it's, it's stuck with me ever since then. Every time she goes somewhere, she takes one or two of these women who have successfully escaped these lives of prostitution and addiction with with her so that they can tell their stories. And she talks about one woman in particular, one woman who uh, lived in Tennessee who for 26 years walked the same 10-block path every day selling her body as a prostitute. She did this for 26 long years. And then she heard about Magdalene, and she was able to escape that life of prostitution. Becca says that she was going to preach at a conference in Florida, and she asked this woman to come along with her for this trip to tell her story. And she said that this woman had had never left the state of Tennessee. She had never been on an airplane. She had never been to the beach, something she was very excited about. She had never seen the sun rising up out of the ocean uh, for sunrise, something that many of us have been privileged to see many, many times in our lives. So she took this, this woman with her to this conference. It was the last day of the morning they were to fly back to Tennessee to go home. And early in the morning, before they went to the airport to, to catch their flight home, Becca took her out to the beach. She took her out to the water. And she talks about how when this woman's feet hit the sand and hit the water, as they started to touch her feet, the water, that this woman threw her arms up in the air, 
she threw her head back and she just started to scream. She just started to yell. And Becca said that it freaked her out. This woman was so, so happy, so excited. And then she turned to Becca and she said, my God, has this been happening my entire life? That story reminds me, it tells me that love heals, that we are able to rise up from those things that hold us back or hold us down, that if we're willing to do God's work, if we are willing to be a part of God's dream, if we are willing to let healing be loose in this world, then we can change lives. The question that I think that we each have to ask ourselves today and, and every day is, who is, it that we, who is it that we need to see? Who is it that we need to see like Jesus sees? Who is it that we need to help? Who is it that we need to walk with? Who is it that we need to heal? Maybe it's someone on the street. Maybe it's someone in our church community. Maybe it's, it's someone in our family, in our home. Who is it that we need to heal as people of God? God has a dream, and we are a part of that dream. Amen.